You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. Today's guest is Marcus Venmo, the CEO and co-founder at Elitip. As a sales leader and as a SDRB leader, you also need to set those expectations on your team. It's a tougher market right now out there compared to five years ago, but it doesn't say it, it doesn't work. Hello there. We are back with the SASIS podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we are now recovering from SASIS Amsterdam. That was the other week here. And thank you for everyone that contributed, that showed up. We had a great event and uh, looking forward to be back next year. Definitely. It was a blast. And we're looking forward to be back next year in terms of having uh, a fantastic event again. However, we will, of course, also be engaging with many of you in the networks, in some of the local meetups that's happening here. So stay tuned. Now we're going to do a lot of fun stuff together. Absolutely. And the date is actually set for next year. So October 1st and 2nd, it's going to be a two-day event. So don't miss it. And um, right now, uh, we are focusing on what's to come next year. So um, besides the events next year, we are also now opening up for registrations to our network groups. And it's the CEO network and the executive network. Um, and if you're working at the scale up, 2 million euro ARR and up, you're welcome to apply to these networks. The CEO network is a paid network uh, where you get a lot of goodies, a lot of opportunities to meet fellow peers and exchange experiences. And in the executive network, we have nine or 10 different verticals, depending on if you're working within sales, marketing, finance, product engineering, customer success, operations engineering, or did I say people? Yeah, that's it anyway. And it's actually free to uh, to join if you're working in any of these things. So head over to sassius.com and go in on the community and you will find the links to these places. And if you're not the VP or higher, you are welcome to join the Slack community if you work in a European B2B SaaS company. So with that, Daniel, is there anything from stopping us to go into the interview with the guest today? Let's do it. Let's do it. Today, we are super happy to have Marcus Venmo, the CEO at Elitiv, here as a guest in the Sassiest podcast. So welcome, Marcus. Thank you, Thomas Daniel. So glad to be here. It's, it's great to have you here. And we understand that you just ran into this session from a big company meeting, right? Where you, you guys discussed what's next for you here. Is there is there any secrets you can tell us or the listeners? Like, what did you guys discuss in that? Yeah, so we, it's, it's all about uh, trying to explain what we're doing the coming Five years, ten years, but also trying to be kind of concrete, right? So people know what's needed for us and what 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 uh, is ex- expected expected from us right now. And uh, yeah, so uh, it was it was a good meeting. <laughs> Probably not going to tell you <laughs> uh, about the upcoming events, but uh, a lot of a lot of cool stuff happening for sure. Okay, I- I'm just impressed that you look five and ten years ahead. That that's impressive. Yeah, we do that. We do those plans as well. They're a bit bit more vague. Um, yeah, but we do those as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're gonna go back to what you guys do, uh, your company. But before we do that, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who's Marcus? Yeah, so I'm the CEO and co-founder of Additive. 
have a background in engineering, a nerd, some people call it. I'm a master of science in mechanical engineering, ex-ERP consultant, ex-management consulting. I have been building apps with millions of users. Um, yeah, now I'm building a company and I'm just, I love building a company. I uh, really like building a great sales organization, really like building a strong product. And uh, on a bigger scale, on a bigger sense, um, yes, love having a positive impact on, on uh, hundreds of thousands of lives uh, out there as we do right now as well, uh, creating a uh, better day work life. But I will, I will go come into that uh, later stage as, as well. Yeah, well, but t- tell us a little bit about Elative. Like, you know, what do you guys do? For whom do you do it? Yeah, so we are driving employee engagement. It's, it's a modern version of what you previously called uh, or employee surveys. Uh, there's many languages for it. But uh, um, yeah, we're driving engagement in real time. We use AI, uh, machine learning, advanced algorithms. But we actually pinpoint what can be needed in real time to actually improve the overall engagement for the whole company. Okay, but why do you need algorithms and stuff in order to do this in a good way? Is it just not, you know, how satisfied are you, one to ten, <laughs> do you like your boss, no, I don't, and, and stuff? So we, we have, want to avoid uh, just asking hundreds of questions every week, right? Mm. Um, but engagement, there's so many areas that you need to cover. So you need to cover uh, relationship with manager, relationship with colleagues, what's meaningful, learning and development, um, and much, much more. So we use advanced algorithms to ask the right questions at the right times. Mm. So it depends on what you've answered this week. The next week's questions will be tailored to that. All right. So this makes you be able to see that what's going on within the company right now without asking hundreds of questions every week. So maybe if me and Daniel has uh, sort of answered differently, we would get... Uh, different questions the next week. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Interesting. So we're tailoring and trying to use uh, smart algorithms to ask even better questions and to ask the right questions at the right times. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, we, we do see, of course, that then it comes to the question, why we're driving engagement? And why, why are you focusing on that? Um, there is a well-proven connection between employee engagement, high engagement, with also increased profit, in, uh, improved employee retention, Lower sick leave, higher productivity. So yes, it's and it's kind of logical as well, right? If people are feeling better, they also thrive at work and they also perform better. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, listening to what you say, it sounds like this is a tool that could work and benefit any company. But is there some definition when you guys look at this? Like, is there a better customer for you than others? What's your ICP? Yeah, so uh, we do see it. Um, that, of course, all the companies out there can use our product. Uh, all the companies that, that cares about their employees' well-being and their engagement can use our product. And we try to be really data-driven when it comes to the ICP, the other, other customer profile, uh, for each and every market. So we do a lot of measuring. We have a lot of numbers on uh, in specific company size, in specific industry, in specific markets. Um, which companies are we booking meetings with? Companies are we closing deals with? But they also, of course, should stay with us and get that value from our tool as well. All right. So we're trying to be really data-driven and market-specific in that sense. Talking about numbers, uh, 
just to understand a little bit the the size of your operation and so on, what can you share about your ARR, how much you grow, number of customers, and so on? Yeah, so we're, we're I will be a, a little bit vague here, but we're in a box of uh, five to ten million euros ARR. Okay, uh, we did two x last year, three uh, x the year before that. So we are a fast-growing company. How many X are you doing 2024? Um, it's, it's, it's still many Xs, Tom, uh, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple Xs. We will keep on growing. Uh, and we are a fast-growing company. That's as part of our DNA as well. Okay. Uh, but we're also doing that uh, historically without doing large VC rounds as well. Mm, okay. So uh, what some, uh, some VCs or people I talked to uh, out there refer to as almost bootstrapped uh, journey that we're doing right now. Of course, as cost efficient as we can be. And how many customers are, are using your solution at the moment? So we're above thousand. Um, um, yeah, depends on how you count the logos and the subsidiaries. But yeah, yeah, thousands of customers right now. Yeah. yeah and uh, what markets are you focusing on? So we're focusing on on nine markets currently. So mainly in Europe. Okay. Yeah, headquarters in Malmo. All right, cool. <laughs> and uh, how many do you have on your staff? Uh, so we're around 85 employees right now. Okay. Working with LTV on a daily basis. And you mentioned you're almost bootstrapped, but if we go into the details, what has it looked like uh, over the years? Yeah, so we, we're, um, me and my co-founders, we're still uh, have a majority in, in the company. Uh, and we also set the priorities of the company as well. And um, yeah, we have been trying to build the company as cost efficient as possible. We do have some uh, external investors, but um, in comparison, it's fairly small amounts still. Okay, but but you still say that you are built for growth or you're a high growth company. I mean, for many companies, that is equivalent with taking in quite a lot of easy money. So, how does this work for you? Yeah. So then we come into the topic of of being cost efficient, right? Yeah. And uh, if you only focus on the costs, cutting costs, and keeping the costs low. That will be that will be easy if that was the only thing that you need to do. It's just set those those limits, right? But we still also need to to grow and to grow fast while while do, keeping the costs down. Uh, and that's when it, when it also becomes complex. Complex. Uh, and we do focus on landing around the zero when it comes to profit. So you don't want to uh, come into a, a year with too much. Uh, cash on on the bank account, but don't want to do two red numbers either, right? Mm-hmm. So trying to to grow, uh, but grow grow in a responsible sense, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But uh, have you had to make compromises? Not expand into certain markets. Not hiring enough salespeople, or not developing everything you need in the product. So yeah, we we are compromising in in uh, some big bets. Um. Of course, if you have more cash to, to move with, you can also do those bigger bets. Um, and at, of course, uh, bigger bets, meaning that in some cases you will succeed, in other cases you, you won't succeed, right? Right. And in, in our case, it comes to um, the margins are smaller. The, the impact of, of failure, if you can frame it like that, would of course uh, have a big, big impact. Yeah. Mm. And this, this also comes down to building that organization that can can handle that kind of growth and that kind of uh, cost efficiency as well right um 
I have a question, though, that I think it makes all sense what you say. And, and you know, it t- turns out, considering how the macroclimate looks today, that you, you guys have make, been making all the right decisions and you were ahead of your time a little bit. But at some point, and I'm assuming here, you must have felt like you another 10 million, another 20 million, another 50 million euros in the bank account would have been nice because I see our American competitor, they have a gazillion amount of dollars because you compete with some really big giants that have seemingly at least in the past endless amount of money like it's one thing to look at your internally and inside but have you felt that wow to combat maybe this big american giant we need to add more more muscle here yeah so uh, i'm not against taking in large amounts of 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 external money that that's also want to be clear about that that is a really successful strategy for a lot of companies out there for us uh it came down to uh, not building that company, trying to focus on, on a different way of building the company. But it also comes with, with certain decisions that you need to make. Um, and I truly don't believe that that money will solve everything for you, mm. that will solve all the problems out, out there. Uh, now I'm talking about business, but I could also <laughs> probably apply it to, to many other uh, areas. But uh, yeah, it, it's just... You you keep on being forced into taking certain decisions because yeah. you don't have that that large amounts of cash uh, that you can move around with. Yeah. Um, so I can probably um, uh, exemplify that a bit as well. If if you, for example, um, when it comes to building the product, we also we need to keep uh, our eyes on the market at all all times. We need to be really aware of what we're building. We need to uh, listen to our customers, get a feedback on those micro uh, features that we're launching as well. Because the impact of building something that we could think is really, really great, but the customers don't appreciate or see any value in, that has, has a higher um, cost for us. Yeah. So, so uh, um, really building that product uh, really close to the market. Yeah. When it comes to, of course, uh, the sales organization is about measuring everything, uh, know your numbers, know which industries that you're doing well in, which industries that you're not doing well in, where you should focus right now. Um, but also, of course, when it comes to opening up, up offices, we need to find a different strategy. We couldn't open up offices all over Europe or all over the world. We need to find it to make it work selling remotely or selling in a more cost-efficient way. Yeah. So it forced us to into taking some kind of decisions, which I, looking back, I think it's been healthy for Altiv to, to go through that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Th- thank you so much for that explanation and clarification. So speaking about sales, um, uh, two things. We've heard rumors that you guys have built your success on a really strong and structured outbound sales motion. And we were curious to to like dig into that a little bit because as you may have seen yourself in, in some of the communication and channels, uh, there's a lot of people that say outbound is more difficult these days. Some people even go as far to say like outbound is dead. We don't personally believe that. But we wanted to understand a little bit about your outbound strategy. Can you share high level? Like, you know, what's it based on? What is the foundation of the strategy? Yes, uh, and this is a topic I can probably talk for f- four or five hours uh, regarding. So I will try to keep it short, short as well. But uh, pr- 
probably comes down to to having the right uh, processes, um, people skills, and of course the data as well. So if you talk about the processes, we need to have right frameworks. We need to have the right uh, ways of working. Everybody needs to know what they should do on a daily basis. Uh, and we also, need, of course, need to have um, qualification methodologies that, that's uh, suited for us. So you probably both heard of uh, Bunt. Yep. There's many out there. We have a tailored version of the Bunt. But uh, and for AES, we use other frameworks. But it's about having those frameworks, those ways of working. Uh, at the same time, also trying to be flexible because you're, you're growing, right? You're a fast-growing company. What's worked for you right now doesn't mean that it has to work for you in six months or 12 months. So also building that flexibility into the process and find ways of innovating and iterating those processes into being even better at marketing targeting right now. Right. But I, I generally think that that's, um, the process is an uh, important way of, of building that motion and, of course, also building that scalability over time. Yeah. So you need to know that if we are hiring one more BDR in that specific market, we know the outcome of that. We know um, it's going to come out 15 meetings or 25 meetings from, from, from that BDR or SDR. Yeah. So, so the process is one thing, right? And um, then, of course, then you have the people skills and, and the data. Yeah. Um, if you go into um, the people skills, uh, I do see that being a leader for SDRs or BDRs is probably one of the hardest parts within sales. It's a real tough job, right? Right. You need to build in that consistency. You need to motivate people on a daily basis. Uh, you also not need to be data-driven. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions uh, because I, I know I know people are curious here. So let's see if we can get some of your secrets out here. Uh, so you have an SDR team that does the outbound, and do they do email and phone? What is the the motion of the outbound? Yeah. So if you look at the, at the data, right? Yeah. Um, we do we do measure activities. Yes. Uh, so what are those activities? It's emails. It's calls. It is outreaches on LinkedIn, um, but it could also be other ways of, of interacting with people. But mainly, I would say it's it's, it's calls and um, emails currently. Okay, and what can you tell us about if we start with one of them with about the email exercise? So I'm an SDR at your organization, and granted that you have done really good data filtering and so on, there is enough of ICPs for me and so on. What is my expectations? Like, how many emails do I send? What's the message in those emails? Basically, we don't need it pervading, but it was like, what are you trying to highlight, so to say? Yeah. And what is the expected result of that process? Exactly. So, um, when it comes to to emails, we have seen a large increase in number of emails. Okay. Probably all leaders out there uh, can probably see that that it's been a large increase in number of received emails over the last years. For sure. So you need to stand out of the crowd. You need to do something different that someone else is not doing. And you also probably need to frame it differently. Yep. So all those generalized emails that probably worked five years ago, they won't work right now. You need to tailor them even more. You probably need to, in a short sense, of course, 
talk about what how do we benefit you how, how do we how do we solve your issues and your your challenge as you're having right now and how do we uh, what's the benefit for you what's the what's the outcome what's the business kpis that we're driving uh should you say it in the first email probably not so you probably want to see it as as a step-by-step -step approach right so how do you get the conversation starting uh that's probably the, the main focus of the first email but you also need to make sure that you have that conversation you can have that conversation over emails as well you can send multiple emails you can send one email and then you can call them up um normally you do have better dialogues over phone but email is, is a really good uh tool to actually do those outreaches on early stage but trying to keep it short trying to keep it relevant also make sure who you're sending the email to yeah you need to also frame it to the, that specific person the, the role the specific person has and the challenges a specific person person has as well uh, how much time how much effort do you put in sort of personalize those messages or is it is it a, a very hands-on manual exercise where you are, are very sort of direct try to look exactly who you're talking to or is it more uh, a volume exercise where you segment and you try to tailor it but it's still like high volume so we have been uh, we're doing uh, bits of both we, we're using so many tools out there you can probably ask google uh, a tool right now at this, this stage yeah. uh, but it, it, we're probably doing a bit both um, we're trying to tailor as many as we can i think i personally believe that that each and every email should go through a, a, a bdr or sdr that they're doing the last touch of tailoring that message because that makes a difference. We have, we have seen it as well. So then it comes down to the, the degree of tailoring, right? Yeah. How much do you need to tailor and how much research you need to do about the prospect. And we actually see that it's, it's worth the time you spend on tailoring those messages. Yeah. So if you have insights about that industry, about that, those specific challenges you have right now in that market, that specific role has, try to frame that in a sentence or two. Again, if you come back to the SDR, like, uh, and maybe I'm simplifying a little bit here now, but an individual SDR at an established market of yours, whichever those that might be of the, of the nine ones, a mature market, how many emails shall he or she send in any given month and to how many different companies and how many meetings are you expecting to book out of that yeah so um now we're coming into to the activities and you want to measure that you want to measure that on a scale you have a if you have a team of 15 or 30 or 50 or hundreds of sdrs you want to measure that activity right yeah uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if you have High activity, if you have sending a lot of emails, you will get a lot of meetings booked. So we're trying to, we, we have those maximum number of emails that you can send, but we don't push people to only do that. You also have the phone as a great tool. Right. Um, we're trying to use those activities as a way of coaching each and every SDR or BDR as we call it. So if, for example, you have high activity, you're sending a lot of emails, you're sending a lot of, you're doing a lot of phone calls, but you're not booking any meetings. We need to sit down with that at SDR and we need to have a chat and say, hey, we need to increase the quality. Is it 
uh, have a look at the emails. Let's have a look at the, the scripts you're using for phone calls. Uh, we need to coach you in that quality and, and that your your way of handling objections, for example. Right. If you have really low activity, but you're booking a lot of meetings, then, then we have then we have a different discussion there, right? So we need to can we increase your your activity a bit to get get a two x on the, the number of meetings you're booking. So we're trying to use that data uh, for activities into actually coach our SDRs and BDRs to do a, do a better job. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know if we said it before, but uh, how many meetings is you know the quota for a BDR? So and it, it depends depends on the market, right? Okay. So, uh, but in in Sweden, we can book uh, between twenty or or even thirty meetings in in, in certain months. Okay. Uh, but for other markets, it's less than that, mm. or even more than that in s- specific markets. So we're trying to also have set those expectations and those goals on on a market basis. And ha- have you seen specific differences when it comes to 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 market? You you mentioned email, phone. Could you give some examples of other markets and and how that differs from Sweden, for instance? Yeah. So we we've seen that for. Because now we're talking all about outbound, right? Yeah, right. And I truly see that you're getting the most out of your engine you're building if you collaborate the outbound movement with the inbound movement, meaning SDRs, BDRs together with marketing. And if you go into a specific market, we have seen that um, it's cheaper, it's even better, it's more efficient. You have the cost of media booked meetings, the win rates. Um, the lead times are shorter if you go for a specific approach. For example, if you do a, a lot of outbound com- combined with inbound or marketing helping you out in some cases, building that awareness in a specific industry. But I, I think it's need to look at each market and see how is the collaboration is going to be with, with inbound and outbound. And when you get that right, uh, you will you will tell on the results. All right. Cool. So I think it's about doing a wise spend and doing right right priorities on each market. Okay. Probably boring answer, Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be a little bit more specific, if we go, I don't know uh, if you're active in the UK or Germany, but if you are, could you just maybe give some hints on how it differs from from the Nordics? Yeah, so if you could talk about the UK, for example, uh, we do see that in Nordics, um, we tend to answer more on phone. We tend to answer more an email. Okay. You need to go into that market with those specific uh, expectations also as an SDR. So you need to find other ways of, um, yeah, finding your way through that that mass information that's, that our target group is facing every day. Mm. So in some cases, it's, it could be even better to do more qualitative work so me trying to build scalable companies, everything needs to be scalable. But in some cases, you just need to be more, uh, yeah, industry by industry and slow down the pace a bit as well. Okay. So I, I, in some cases, you can probably, you can write a handwritten mail that you send to a specific target group that makes you stick out from the crowd. Okay. And you do that as well? Yeah, we have tried so many things, Thomas. <laughs> but it, okay. it, it, it was it was it was it was about sticking out from the crowd, right? And uh, it's trying to find new ways to do. Yeah. Do you have a success story here that you can share, or or? or, no, or no, I'm just waiting for him saying like, yeah, once we we sent a cake to somebody <laughs> on a birthday, unannounced. We have almost tried that as well, Daniel. Yeah. But, but, but it's I think it's about 
finding that ICP even further. Uh, we've seen that in our case, um, you tend to focus more on the business outcomes and the business KPIs uh, in UK when we come compared to our Scandinavian target market, where in some cases it could be good enough that our employees are feeling better and they're thriving at work. Yeah. But the UK needs to have those business KPIs. Okay. And when we frame that messaging uh, towards being more return investment driven mm -hmm. into a specific target group in UK, we saw progress. We saw okay. we, we, it made a difference. So it's finding that messaging and, and finding that ICP uh, will, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give you that business outcome as well. Is there a tool in your sales stack that you feel has been a game changer for you in your outbound strategy? Has like when we got this, that really elevated it. You don't have to name the, the specific vendor of that, but, but it's somewhere can. in the process, <laughs> or, or you can if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So we we have tried. We have we have tools that we have tried to get those leads in and to actually get those leads, but our our CRM. It's of course a really good tool that, that that's really important for us. Yep. So we, we use HubSpot. With I do think HubSpot is a really good tool. I've seen that you can use some other CRMs. You can probably add add-ons onto those CRMs as well. You can get the same functionality. So it's probably not HubSpot specific, but you need to have a tool that that. In best case, you have all those contacts in there, or you can get those contacts in there, and you can follow up everything, and you can do those outreaches from that tool, and you can also book meetings, and you can track. Because being able to track that data, that that's uh, probably one of the game changers. When we talk about outbound, mm -hmm. I think that the data dimension is also super important. So um, I can probably also elaborate around that to be really concrete when it comes to the data. Please. Um, so we talked about activities before. Yeah. So you need to measure those activities. In some cases, also set some goals on those activities. Some believe that you shouldn't have goals on activities. Some some believe that you should. Uh, but then you have an outcome of those activities. You have some results. In our case, it's booked meetings when it comes to outbound. Uh, you need to know your conversion rates. You need to know those conversion rates on, on different markets. Uh, on different industries, on different company sizes. You also need to know those lead times, uh, how long does it take to close the deal. And with consistency and clear data, you can start to predict and, and modulate the future and see that how many meetings we are we booking this month. And in X amount of months, we will generate Y amounts of revenue. And to have that funnel and have those conversion rates, I think that that's, that's really, really key. I'm not saying that you should have everything in one CRM to get that data. Um, but be aware of, of, of getting that data and having that transparency in measuring all that stuff, because that, that will help you into building that machinery going forward. Are you building a SaaS business? Achieving ISO 27001 or SOC 2 compliance can help you win bigger deals, enter new markets, and deepen trust with your customers. But it can also cost you real time and money. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work needed to get and stay compliant. 
Get audit ready in weeks instead of months and save up to 85% of associated cost. Over 6,000 fast-growing companies use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Sassiest listeners get 20% off Vanta at Vanta.com slash Sassiest. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Sassiest. So if we would summarize this, because we've, hear, we've heard that over and over in our forums, like it's difficult to outbound, especially now. Yeah. So from your perspective, to anybody that would come to you and say, Marcus, it's, it's tough to outbound now. Give me your top three tips or advice, what you guys are doing that you see works. Like, how would you summarize that? What, are the, what is one, two, three? So I think as a sales leader and as a SDR BDR leader, you also need to set those expectations on your team. It's a tougher market right now out there compared to five years ago, but it doesn't say it, it doesn't work. So set those expectations with your salespeople. You need to have the consistency. You need to be data-driven. Mm-hmm. I would also say that still use those traditional ways of, of booking meetings. Emails, phone calls. You might have to do twice as many phone calls as a couple of years ago. But you can still see that if you're doing those phone calls, you will get you will book meetings and you will sign customers. Right. And I will also say of trying to use the latest technology out there. Trying to, to Google around. There's so many tools out there right now. It's not that one tool will solve all the problems for you, but it will for sure help you. So set up those processes and use those modern tools. Yeah. Thank you for that. We've already mentioned that you're active in many markets and so on. And uh, we know that you you choose to expand in in several markets at the same time, and and sometimes you hear that you should take one market at a time and go deep there before you go to the next. So, wh- what have you learned about having another approach there, going going at several markets at the same time? Yeah, so I think um, that that if you find a good market model that works on one market, it doesn't necessarily mean that it works on other markets. And just to set that expectation for yourself as well. Uh, and that's probably also a learning for, for us that in some cases you need to tailor that model even more than you thought from, from, from the start, entering that market. But it, it's doable. It's possible to enter market, several markets at the same time. Of course, that we didn't open up offices in all those countries made it less complex. Mm. We uh, we hired, we have a lot of skilled salespeople in Malmö at our office. That's that's building the culture together. That's that's sharing learnings together, uh, inspiring each other together. But also, we also need to be clear for for uh, with our employees that each market needs its tailoring. Yeah, and trying to share those those. And not experiences and try to share that knowledge, but doesn't say that this is the model that you should use. It, it will work for sure because it probably won't. Yeah. But use all that knowledge into find your own ways in that specific markets. Yeah. So it's all about how to do reach outs. Mm. So was that because you didn't really know what market to enter? So you just went into many markets and see what worked? Or was it more that um, you were in a hurry? You needed to expand fast? <laughs> Yeah, so we we uh, uh, did a couple of trials on on different markets, some pilots, you, you may say it, and we found out that it's, it's a big need for our product 
uh, and our, our solution as well. So um, it was probably us saying that, yeah, there's so many markets out there. This We can actually sell to those markets. And as, as a founder, in some cases, you're, you are being naive <laughs> in a good sense. Yes. Uh, but we thought that, hey, there's such a need in those markets for a tool like ours. Why don't just give it a try? Yeah. And let's let's, let's try it out. Um, so, yeah. And looking back, we learned a lot from doing that as well. Yeah. For sure. So approaching all these, you know, nine countries and so on, uh, maybe there was a different approach in the beginning versus how it is now. But I'm curious, since you said most of the folks sit in your headquarter office in Sweden here, do you have, let's say, a Swedish person call into France and then try to do it in English? Or how localized did you go? So I generally believe that you should be as localized as you can. Yeah. So having that native speakers, um, setting up that organization in a structure that, that you work as a team on a specific market. You share learnings in a specific market. Should you have country managers still or not? That's probably a topic for itself. But, uh, but did, did you have... So does that mean that you have, let's say, uh, French SDRs or BDRs calling into France and Germans into Germany and, and so on? Or are they always local? At least native speakers? Yeah, in, in some cases, for some, some target groups. So if we see that that if we see on data that it makes sense for us, then then it's that that's the way to go, right? Yeah. Mm. But in some cases, for some industries, we see that it doesn't matter if you speak that that native language or if you speak English, it, it would it wouldn't help you, and that doesn't. Then then it's the the main priority is probably not the language. Then then we have other different. Ah, gotcha. So that means that it might be a French person calling into uh, French software companies as an example but it might be somebody that speaks english that calls into uh, another industry in france media companies or whatever it is exactly so it could be an industry but it could also be a company size right yeah right so for example larger companies tend to speak english as their uh, organizational language yeah so that could also be a size thing but in many cases that's also uh, an industry thing as you mentioned, Daniel. Yeah. All right. So we started off saying that you just came out of a meeting where you looked five or ten years into the future, uh, and uh, but we're not going to do that. But we would like you to uh, maybe enclose what's in the next uh, one to three years for Elative. Where can we expect you to go? Yeah. So we just start saying, but it feels like we we just started. Okay. It's, it's weird. We just felt like we just started building this company, but we have been building this for a while. And I, I think that that comes down to so many more markets to conquer. There's so many more cool features to build to create value for our customers. We do see that, that the engagement space that we're in, we are driving business KPIs. We are having a real strong product. Um, of course, not the most objective person in in uh, in that sense, <laughs> but I do generally believe that we have a really really strong product, mm. and we it will be even stronger, and we will keep on building more features that will deliver that, those better improvements on on the business when it comes to engagement. So um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, super excited for the future. We're gonna keep on growing. Uh, we're not gonna stop. Um, 
and it feels like it, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a nice tool, a nice platform to also have in, in different markets. We have been going through a pandemic. We have a, right now a, a down market, as we see, but we're still still doing good. And it's also about in a down market, you also want to keep your key employees, right? Yeah. You also want to have a productivity. You also want to have, of course, profit as well. Right. Uh, so in a dark markets, you can probably tailor your messaging a bit, but we also see that, hey, um, doesn't really depend on the market. We're going to grow this company in anyways. Yeah. But if, of course, it will be great to see it in an up market as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have a great community listening here, as you know. Uh, is there anything you're looking for? A, a shout out here? Could be for the company, could be personal if you dare to go that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so we, I think we have a really strong management team. We have a great investors. Um, we have shown that we can do well in a down market. But if, if you're generally asking what I'm looking for right now, Thomas, yeah, it would be great to see how we would explode in an up market. Okay. So oh, you're looking for you're looking for an up market, better better market. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So, is there anyone that you would like us to have on the show that would make you excited, or a topic that you think we should cover on the Sassit podcast? Um, yeah. So I sat next to uh, Joran uh, Linda yeah. on, on a dinner uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, but when he was bar- part of building Echo Online, yeah, uh, I think uh, his journey will, will be interesting to listen to. I think there's an episode with Jalran. Oh, is it? Ba- yeah, yeah, got him. <laughs> yeah, back in the days. But he, like, he's he's welcome back. Or, but uh, <laughs> what we will do, Marcus, for sure, is like we'll send you that episode. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm busted. I haven't uh, listened to all of your episodes. <laughs> do you have a runner-up or a other topic that you think we should cover? Yeah, I I think. Um, Global expansion. I know uh, Daniel that you also have worked a lot with sales, uh, growing into specific regions. US. Yeah. I think a lot of Swedish companies are are thinking about growing into US that that market as well. So it could be an interesting topic to to elaborate around. I'm so happy you asked. I'm so happy. Next episode will be just me talking for an hour. <laughs> no. no, but how to conquer the world. I, I can interview Daniel if you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. But Marcus, a pleasure as always. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And uh, well, see you around in the Sassist community. See you around. Thank you. Take care. Take care now. Okay, Daniel, what's your takeaway from from the session today? I think it's one, one very general one. Like, uh, outbound is definitely not dead. It's probably more relevant than ever, at least in my opinion. It just like always, you, you just have to make sure that you're relevant in order to be successful with your uh, outbound. And like Marcus said here, that uh, you got to know your ICP really well. You got to be data driven in your outreach, understanding you know what messages work per company, per persona, the frequency, and so on. And I, I think that's generally what we hear out there, that you got to test, you got to experiment, and eventually you'll learn about what the right frequency is, what the right message is. But outbound is definitely not that. I think it's going to be more relevant than ever now. What about you, Thomas? Yeah, and, and just emphasizing it, uh, I mean, measuring and slicing and dicing in, in various ways, because it's, I mean, you could say, well, 20 meetings a week is a good measurement and so on. But if you drill down more and look at company sizes, industries, markets and all of that, you can get the bigger picture. And maybe also you can 
allocate your resources in a better way. And then, then I think also as as Marcus said about you know them sort of being bootstrapped uh, and manage to grow anyway uh, makes you maybe make you know sensible decisions when when you are looking into how to scale i mean not opening offices everywhere uh, work smart yeah i mean we've had a few people on the podcast in other forums allude to some similar things you know where they either said that you know when we raised a bunch of money or when we had a lot more money that almost creativity was killed uh there was an influx of a little bit of a laziness or shortcuts. We'll, we'll just try this because we have it in the budget. We'll try that. Yeah. Exactly. It can make life more complicated because that, then you need to figure out how do we use all of this money in the best way, right? But if you don't have it, then you're forced to sort of make do with what you have. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, if you have if you have your recipe there, if you are built for scaling, and you need to grab the market. I mean, having that, um, uh, getting good funding and a partner that can sort of support doing this is, of course, uh, a great way of success as well. If we w- if we would have endless amount of money, yeah, here's my commitment to the world: sassiest swag to everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sassiest swag to everyone <laughs> yeah so if somebody wants to give us money for us to print uh, t-shirts and baseball caps you know where to find us <laughs> contact at sassiest.com but also on a serious matter if you want to get hold of us to tell us about what you thought about this episode or you have ideas for content or guests or any questions about the sassiest community in general please do reach out we respond to everyone and every request and we're always keen to hear from the community, right? Absolutely. And if it's uh, anything that we could assist with, just reach out. Uh, also, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, join the newsletter. You get weekly weekly thought leadership articles. And also, you keep track of what's happening in the Sassiest community. Next up, we actually have a couple of meetups here in the Nordics uh, for B2B SaaS professionals. We will visit Cookie Information in Denmark on the 14th of November and my news desk in Stockholm on the 28th of November to socialize and, and get some you know, good quality time together um, for a few hours. Looking forward to meet you all there and also looking forward to meet you soon in another podcast episode so um, with that have a great day and see you around take care now